Welcome to Get It Done Entrepreneurs, where we talk with founders of companies who bet on themselves in one. My name is Rich Lebrun, and I am the founder and CEO of Lebrun Advisory Group. You can find us at rlebrun.com. Our mission is to help our clients build wealth through business ownership. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Our special guest today is Dr. Steve Perlman. He's the founder of the CT Institute. He has a PhD in rhetoric and composition writing. And CT Institute is a mission-based organization founded on bringing critical thinking skills to everyone in the world because as Albert Einstein said, we cannot solve the problems of today with the same level of thinking that created them. So they have taken the distinct methods they taught to executives, academics, and educators, and for the first time, made them available to everyone, even children. Since 1992, Steve has taught critical thinking and writing in higher education, including elite liberal arts colleges and state universities. In 2011, Steve founded one of the United States' first departments in higher education, specifically focused on, focused on teaching critical thinking skills. His, his work has resulted in something exceptionally rare in academia, documented campus-wide improvements in critical thinking. He's devoted to the idea that everyone needs access to elite critical thinking skills. Steve found the Critical Thinking Institute to bring his unique proven methodology to the general public. In addition to academic articles, Steve is the author of America's Critical Thinking Crisis, The Failure and Promise of Education, as well as the host of two podcasts, one for educators called Hedagogy, and the other one for parents called Parentology. He has, covers topics such as Discover Your Power of Critical Thinking and Science for Your Children, Critical Thinking Crisis in the United States, Critical Thinking with Kids in Education, plus many, many more. Here's some fun facts about Steve. He's a devoted husband, committed father to a 12-year-old creator. I love that. He's an instructor of Praxis Martial Arts. It's a unique form of martial arts for teens and adults. He's a fun chef and foodie. Well, maybe we'll learn a little bit more about that. And he enjoys bonding with his family through peaceful hikes. He lives with his family in Hartford, Connecticut. And with that said, welcome, Steve, to the program. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. Well, it's my pleasure here to have you on the show. And I want to start out before we get into your story and how you started your business. Uh, my little naivete is, what is critical thinking? Maybe you can well, explain, that to, explain it to our listeners. That's the question everybody asks. And, you know, I can tell you a little bit about what the objective of critical thinking is, but it's really hard to synopsize the process and what we teach. That takes a little bit longer. But the objective of critical thinking, if you think about it, is in some way to be able to transcend your existing paradigm of thought into a better paradigm of thought. Whatever it is that's going on in your world, whatever problem you're facing, whatever problem your business is facing, right? Thinking is the only thing that gets us to a better understanding. And it's harder than you think because our brain actually does a lot of things that interfere with good critical thinking. And that's about the process. But the goal is to break whatever paradigm of thought we have and get into a better one. And that means also doing that without succumbing to our biases and prejudices and psychological dispositions that we all have and always affect us all the time. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think, but you actually have a PhD in this. So hence your doctor degree. Uh, there's a lot of science behind that, I would imagine, right? 
Yeah. So one of the things that I did, or the main thing that I did when I founded the first department that was focused really just on critical thinking and not just on what it is, but on how to get people to do it better was look at all the research that's out there. I spent about a decade doing that. And I'm talking about not just research in uh, cognitive psychology, where a lot of it appears, or in educational theory, but much more importantly, we looked back into the neuroscience. We looked into evolutionary biology to find out how does the brain naturally think and how do we start to build on that? So there's a tremendous amount of research around this. Well, you know what? Let me... That's I only can imagine. But let's back up a little bit. You actually started the Critical Thinking Institute. So I'd love yeah. to hear, you know, um, how long have you had it? Why did you start it? Uh, you're a founder of a company. You, that's, this, this is your mission in life. Tell us your story. So uh, this is actually my second company and sold the first one off. I'll talk in a second about that. But here's this backstory. You know, I was in academia and I'm working on critical thinking and teaching it to students and teaching educators really around the world how to infuse critical thinking into their teaching. And in that process, realized a couple of things. The first was that no matter how many educators I reached, it was going to be just a very small fraction of the population that would eventually get this instruction because there would only be students in their classes. And that's not a lot of people in the grand scheme of things. I think the world needs more critical thinking than that. The second thing I realized was, and I want people to always support educators, but educators are working in a system that is not conducive to teaching critical thinking. And it's not their fault. They're trying really hard, most of them, but they're in a system that fights it. So I wanted to do something that got beyond that because of the limitations of the academic construct. Third, no matter how many people in business I spoke with, all of them seem like they were just thirsting, clamoring to bring more critical thinking into their organizations. And we actually started doing a good deal of corporate consulting prior to COVID, where we're you know, ramping up workshops and so forth to do for businesses. Um, and then obviously COVID threw everything into a tailspin. And that's when we decided to go online. So we didn't have to go into businesses necessarily to do it. Oh, we still do that. Um, so... Looking at all of that, I said, look, I got to build a business out of this where we're able to deliver critical thinking instruction online to people around the world, no matter who they are, and especially offer it to executives and people in business as well, people who want to start a business, people who want to excel in their career where they haven't yet, and so on and so forth. So I'd already had one business that was doing um, social issue instruction for college students online, which was things like sexual assault prevention, where I'm also an expert. And so I had this online model, and now I've transferred it to use it for critical thinking. All right. So let me ask me uh, just again, thank you for educating me here. Uh, if nothing else, I'm going to be smarter when I leave here. But uh Thinking from a business perspective, a lot of listeners are in the business mode, not necessarily the academic mode. Um, I'm thinking critical thinking is philosophical, okay? And maybe it's not, maybe it is. Maybe you can help us here. But do you, does it, is, is there a practical output when you're talking to an executive who's running a company and you help them do critical thinking because maybe they're stuck in their own ways of doing their own paradigm? 
is there a practical output that comes from these things or just I'm thinking it's academia it's kind of philosophical conversation maybe I'm totally off base so clarify that for me if you could yeah critical thinking breaks down to a number of different buckets where it's typically operating and I think all of them have failed to a large degree um there's the philosophical bucket where we're sort of navel gazing a little bit and and working with maybe some formal logic and what have you then there are things like teaching people some informal logical fallacies or argument structure, which is what academia focuses on the most. None of those things really help executives or everyday people in their lives do what they need to do better, which is make better decisions and solve problems and create new ideas and run meetings better, right? Extract the most from our people and our teams as we're working through meetings. So we focus on an exceptionally pragmatic, attempt to improve critical thinking with people, which again works based on how does your brain naturally work? How do your team members' brains naturally work? And how do we identify what are the strengths and pitfalls of how our brains natural work? And they're both of them. And how do we build on them? So the analogy I like to use is like this. Just about everyone has a natural innate ability to run. You know, that's what, you know, everyone just just about everyone on Earth can run. Well, if you take running and you look at it from a natural perspective, there are going to be certain people who are naturally faster than others. Mm. But if you take a running coach who knows the ins and outs of training people in how to run wind sprints and long distance and short distance and all these different things and technique and body position and relaxation, then all of a sudden you can take someone who is whatever grade runner they started out to be and make them excel at it, right? Now we all have our limitations. You know, I could have trained all my life. I was never going to be as fast as Usain Bolt. It was never going to happen. You know, <laughs> it's just not going to, it's not in my cards, but I could have been a much better runner than I would have been otherwise, right? And I think that's the idea. We have an innate natural baked in ability as humans to think critically. Uh, but we succumb to a lot of the pitfalls of it and we don't exercise what's happening neurologically in our brains in order to excel at it as much as we can. And there's nothing, I think, if you look at a business, any business, if you can tell me something that's more important to that business than the, than the capacity to anticipate and solve problems for that business, to innovate with that business and to have everyone functioning at maximum capacity in terms of their thinking for that business. Well, I, I can't think of anything that's more important than that. I think this is fascinating because I think, you know, you know, a lot of this is, I mean, I love this. I love the analogy from the sports analogy. Who would ever thought you should really go to, uh, I'll say a course or a coach or whatever to be taught how to think critically. Because a lot of times our thinking has been suppressed, either by education, right? You don't raise your hand because you're going to be shut down or, or you look as rebellious. Or the typical company paradigm is it's always been, been done this way. So just get in line. Okay. Uh, those are ceilings you got to break through, right? Sure. And uh, But to be trained how to do this, um, I think it's fascinating. And, and I, I love it. I love it. But going back to starting your company, you look back now that you've had it for a while. Is there anything you would have done differently? knowing what you know today, have you done any critical thinking on your company <laughs> and how maybe you would do things differently? I think if there's anything I would have done differently much sooner, it's developed the programming that we have now earlier on. We were focused much more on the individual consulting 
work with businesses uh, on sort of the one-to-one basis. And that's still great. I mean, because there's in some ways no substitute ultimately for going in and working with people, right? And that face-to-face personal interaction and identifying the individual needs of a business is very important. As well as we, I certainly put too much effort early on trying to still work with educators and the educational construct when it clearly was not panning out success as much as I had liked. But, you know, I'd been in academia my whole life and that's where all of this originated and wanted to try to make that happen. Because I think it's, you know, education's a noble pursuit. We might not be doing it very well in terms of critical thinking in this country, but it's certainly a noble pursuit. So I would have shifted those gears a heck of a lot sooner if I had the capacity to do so. But as you talked about, you know, in education, I don't know if your listeners, I'll ask your listeners a question, right? And I won't put you on the spot and make you answer it, but you're welcome to if you want to. But what, according to the research, what percentage of college students show proficiency in critical thinking? Well, this is going to probably be a bias. I think very small percentage. I think the universities are kind of driving the thinking for them. Yeah. That's, that'd be my answer. Yeah, it's depends on the study. But some of the two of the biggest recent studies done show that it was about 5%. Five percent. Why would I have thought that? Five percent, right? Whoa. So now, any of you who are involved in business realize that. Hey, wait a second. You know, I'm getting students out of college, hiring them, right? And they're at five percent rate of critical thinking ability. And I mean, that sounds astounding, right? But I want to understand. I want everyone to understand that there's a very important distinction between being intelligent which everyone might be, or some of us are more than others, certainly, right? And I think everyone listening knows some of those people they don't think are that intelligent. But nevertheless, there's a critical difference that's been proven out scientifically between being intelligent and being able to think critically. Those are not the same thing. They overlap a little bit, but actually in some very limited regards, I want to be clear that it's only in limited regards because intelligent people can be exceptional critical thinkers. But in limited regards more intelligent people actually fall into some of the pitfalls of critical thinking faster than less intelligent people. And that's because, for example, more intelligent people are better at finding ways to defend their ideas, even when their ideas are wrong, because they're able to think up the justifications for them. So being more intelligent and thinking critically are not at all the same thing. And that's really where my work comes in. Well, let me ask you, I mean, I, I think I could talk to you for hours now. This is a fascinating subject. But um, is critical thinking tied in any way, any correlation to initiative? Well, initiative, there are there are definitely psychological dispositions based on how people's brains developed idiosyncratically that make people more averse or less averse to risk. Uh, but initiative is actually more tied to conce- uh, contextual factors than it is to neurological factors. It has to do with a lot of upbringing, epigenetic factors, how you're raised, what kind of construct you're in. You alluded to that earlier, right? The answer of, well, this is how it's always been done before, right? Mm -hmm. And once you hear that in a meeting when you're a new employee or you're trying to move up the ranks or you're trying to really help the business out, once you hear this is how it's already been done before and you hit that wall, the lesson they just told you was stop your initiative, right? We don't really value it here, fall in line and do what you're told. So you might have someone who is naturally disposed to want to take that initiative, who nevertheless is not going to anymore. 
Well, when I was in corporate America, the the key characteristic that we were chasing in my last uh, era in corporate America was initiative. Uh, we, it, was, it wasn't hard to find the, find the intellectual, you know, it wasn't hard to do that. But to get them to think, I'll call critical thinking today, on behalf of our company, which is actually the catalyst for growth, it was, it was, it was a kind of a lost art. It was, it was, we were trying to figure out how to do that because, you know, these smart people would do what they were told to do, but we need them to think what also to do and maybe think outside the box and think of things to help it grow our company. So slow down the pace of our growth. So uh, that's why I'm very interested in the subject matter. Well, Rich, you touched on it earlier. I mean, you said it, that our educational system, and I can go into you know, my book, America's Critical Thinking Crisis, goes into it a bit more, but our educational system actually suppresses critical thinking and innovation of ideas. You know, there are classes that do more than classes that don't more, but as a construct, it suppresses it. What, uh, you know, all of your listeners will associate with this, that most of their education was about learning the ideas other people had thought already instead of developing their own ideas, right? Now that's entirely the wrong way that we need an educational system to function as we move into 2023 and beyond. And certain countries are recognizing that. China shifted their entire university system around innovation a number of years back. They just changed everything. And of course they can do it with the snap of the fingers, right? And we cannot, but they just did it. Indonesia just did it. So a lot of Asia is just starting to shift entirely what they're doing with education built around developing innovators and we're not so we've got a big problem let's, let's kind of stay on your book so you wrote this book is there there's a mission behind this book too is it is it a change of thinking for our country thinking for just our institutions is this a is this a complete paradigm shift like china switched over was that was a paradigm shift is that what the, your mission is here to help us uh to get on the get on the right path here, yeah, it's a wake up call, right? Okay. Because uh, and it's not just for educators to read; it's for everybody to read, so that we can understand why we're in the predicament that we are and what kind of predicament we're going to be in moving forward. And then it also lays out some very simple things that educational constructs can do to shift into better modes of education for people. It's really not that hard. The truth is actually that teaching people to be critical thinkers, once you know how to do it, the trick is figuring out how to do it. But once you know how to do it, it's easier to teach that way than to teach any way else. Because now you're working on how the brain naturally functions, right? Instead of fighting it, you know, human beings want to be thinkers. That's that's the only reason our species survived. We couldn't outrun the tiger, outfight the tiger, you know, but we could outthink the tiger. And so the only reason that we're alive as a species is because we outthought all the other species. So we have this natural inclination to think, you know, think about a sandbox and you got a couple of four-year-olds in a sandbox. That is a rich, socially dynamic, problem-solving, interactive situation where the brain is showing great activity, right? All kinds of stuff going on there, right? Maybe they're five-year-olds or whatever. And then we put them in school a year later. And we teach them to memorize this one little fact, right? Now you got to memorize who was the first president of the United States. So you take this rich brain that's interacting and it's thinking and it's solving problems appropriate to its age level, you know, but who gets the bucket and who gets the shovel and what do we do with it and how do we make it work? That's all very complex stuff for that brain. And then we put in an educational system that basically says, stop doing that. And I'm not saying this by my opinion, and this is not 
you know, it's not a liberal or conservative problem. It's not my opinion. This is based on a lot of research. For example, this is going to blow your mind. They did an fMRI study on college students for a week. So they took a group of college students and they put wearable brain monitors on them for a week and they measured their brain activity for a week. Everything they did, okay, set 24 hours a day. And what we saw was brain activity when they were socializing, lots of brain activity when they're socializing, someone when they were doing homework, plenty if they were playing sports, you know, sometimes if they were eating, even someone they were sleeping. The place where we found almost no brain activity was in class. <laughs> That's just like unbelievable. I'm a loss for a word there. So, yeah. <laughs> That's well, you know, I don't know if the statistic is true. I don't even know if it's a statistic, a statement. You know, a lot of times our country was known for innovation, and other countries were known for duplicating our innovation. Maybe even making it better, but we innovated. Is that shifting because we're losing our critical thinking or is, or is there no is there no direct tie? Oh, yeah, there's a direct line. We are definitely falling behind educationally compared to the rest of the world. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, they're going to be we have a spectrum like every country has a spectrum in this. You know, some of us are going to think, you know, innovatively and no matter what happens, no matter what educational system does or doesn't do, we're certainly going to be there. And some people aren't no matter what our educational system does. But we're falling behind the rest of the world because they're adopting educational practices and educational values that are very different than ours. Now, we're preaching some of it for sure, but we're not doing it. Uh, mm. It's easy to preach it. <laughs> it's really hard to actually go and do it. So on the whole, yeah, we are. We are. The evidence is not pretty for where the trends are. We're really falling behind. Now, is um, I want to ask this question and I want to jump into a commercial break. Is there a metrics to this? Like if you were, if I hired you to help our company do critical thinking, is there something that's tangible that could be measured as an yeah, outcome? Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I had to do that most people doing this in education never had to do, which was show results. You know, my job depended on whether or not I could actually prove that we were doing the things that we said that we were doing, because it's easy to say we're doing more critical thinking. And in fact, the results for educators and students will all show that if you do certain things, they might all report that more critical thinking is happening when none of it actually plays out if you test it. So mm -hmm. the self-perception of it, it's very strong. It's very easy to get people to think they're doing it, to think they're thinking, right? Uh, but it's very hard in essence to actually show the metrics. So yeah, we go into a business then we want to make sure that the people in that business see the results that they're getting, you know, and it's not, look, it's always a process and it's, it's a reiterative process. You got to keep working at it and keep on it and so forth. But if you truly want that business to thrive, that's the way to do it. And you need to create an environment that, that's welcoming to do it, which comes from leadership and management. That's right. All right. Uh, Dr. Steve, I'll take a break here. Commercial break. This is your time. Take a few minutes here to talk about the Critical Thinking Institute. Who is your customer? I mean, our listeners are our listeners. And is it, are you for them? Or, you know, I don't think well, too many listeners are in the academic world, but they are definitely executives of corporations or leading corporations in America, and, or they're founders of companies and leading their own company and uh, want to figure out what to do next. So tell us, tell us about uh, your business and who your customers are. We are for everybody. 
And we've actually moved away from the academic target as much as we can at this point, though we're going to return to it at a certain point. But we have uh, three major options for people if they come to the Critical Thinking Institute at the ctinstitute.com. Uh, we have online programs, which are really, it's effectively kind of the same program, but we have one for kids that's an animated program, kids and young teens, and by the way, adults who just like watching cartoons, right? So you prefer cartoons, <laughs> you really get, it's all the same content because all of our brains work the same way, okay? But it's just packaged a little differently. So we have one for kids and teens, and that's a year-long program. And also involved in that program are, uh, so if you have kids, you also get to see me talking a little bit about the research every week. So you know what, why we're doing what we're doing. And then we have one that's for adults, which is also long. These all be live in about three days. And we have one for adults as well. And it's a year long course. And each of these are just a few minutes a week. And then you put it into practice. And the reason that it's so short and the reason that we take space between them is because there are programs out there where you can go learn a few tips and tricks for critical thinking. You can go to a site and you can pick up a couple of logical fallacies. You can go play brain games, which is shown to have no effect on real world decision making or problem solving. Okay, none at all. So much um, for, for so much for Legos huh? in business. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, exactly. Uh, but if you really want to become a better thinker, then what you need is not just a few tips and tricks on how to do it. We need to wire the brain around critical thinking. I mean, that sounds like a hard thing to do, but the truth is our brains are always wiring themselves for something. They're, they're neuroplastic. They're always rewiring themselves. They're rewriting over old neural pathways to create new ones for things that are used as opposed to things that aren't used. Okay. <laughs> So and that happens throughout life. It doesn't stop when we reach age 25, like the myth was for a long time. Throughout our lives, we are building new neural pathways all the time. So, but it doesn't happen overnight. So we got to give the brain time to build it. And really the way our method works, which is a unique inside out methodology that works from inside the brain going outwards into, and I really deeper parts of the brain to more surface parts of the brain, literally speaking, as we, as it goes into building the brain so it's wired to think no matter what, in any situation, in any context, whether you're being a parent, whether you're being a boss, whether you're starting your own business, whatever it is, we want to wire that brain to do that better. So you have it for the rest of your life instead of just something that you might forget a little bit down the road. So that's why we take space between the lessons. So anyone can go there. And if you have a business, you can sign your whole crew up for it or part of it if you want to and just get in touch with us and find out the best way to do that. Fantastic. I want to dive into the kids side of it. So everyone of us, uh, many of us, I shouldn't say, are, are parents. Uh, what's the benefit to teaching a kid this, teenager this? Uh, what, what else shows up? I mean, be, maybe the be better contribution to society, but is there something about, uh, does it build your self-esteem? How does it work for you? My apologies for that. No, I appreciate the question. Uh, so look, there was a study done not too long ago, and it found out something fascinating, which makes sense when you think about it. When it comes to looking at who makes better real life decisions, critical thinkers do more than people who are just intelligent. I didn't realize this while I was a father. The pressure on me as a father to make sure that my son was equipped to survive in life, 
right? To, to be happy in life, to be successful in life, whatever successful means, you know, for different people and so forth, right? It doesn't necessarily mean getting into Harvard and, you know, becoming a doctor, but to be successful in whatever he wanted to do. I realized the pressure on me about that. And I realized in certain respects, wow, you know, I don't really know how to do this. You know, and one of the reasons I created this program for kids was I realized doing so would help me understand how to translate all of this for my son. So if you're a parent, not only does it help kids become more aware of their thinking process and control their emotions and solve problems and create new ideas, but broadly speaking, if you want that help off that stress that I was feeling as to how to make sure your kids are equipped, not just to survive, but to prosper in the world, then this is the program that I think can help them do that. And, you know, I say that from the heart because it's really with my son in mind that a lot of this was reverse engineered for kids. Fantastic. Well, let's shift here. You know, um, I want to talk about, about today uh, and how this helps. I think, you know, you, you and I were talking before the show from a business perspective and actually a whole world perspective. We faced a lot of adversity, whether it's in politics or wars or inflation and interest rates or, you know, everything that happened in 2022. We're still not out of the woods yet, 2023. It probably takes some critical thinking to figure out how to navigate this. So how you're an owner of a company, okay? You have to navigate these tough times too, just like everybody else on this podcast who's listening. How are you navigating all the headwinds that are, you're, you're faced as a business owner, but also secondarily, Rich LeBron how are you navigating here. these Thank headwinds Thank you so much for individual? listening to our podcast, you have to Get Up Monday get Morning it and done, the Entrepreneurs. Okay, yeah. then you probably if you are a successful business owner who would like too, to right? be on this so, program, sure. please visit us you at rlebrun.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form and we will reach out to you. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on social. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show. Include the hashtag get it done entrepreneurs. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Always Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot and to me and my team. Being adaptable to know more, go to our website, rlebrun.com, or follow right? me on you know, LinkedIn, as, as Facebook, along, and Instagram. Right? Want to be Thanks for listening. We That's will see you next time. That's the trick to survival for any species, right? For any business, mm -hmm. it's adaptability. And then that, of course, relies on good critical thinking and looking at being able to analyze the situation honestly rather than doing so from what the rose colored glasses are or the dark colored glasses are that we all have at times. Okay. Personally, uh, you know, for me, not only am I a martial artist and that's one of my great outlets for things because, you know, when I get into my martial arts space, I'm free of everything yeah. else. You know, it's doing, it's active. I'm helping people. I'm empowering people and I, I love it so much. So it takes up all my brain power when I'm there and most of my problems go away for a while. <laughs> so I love it. And I'm a meditator and I spend time with my family and so forth. But, you know, also for me, martial arts is a great metaphor for business and life. Um, mm -hmm. If you can learn to be calm when someone's trying to smash your face in, you know, with their fist or with a stick or, you know, what have you, 
and you can learn to be agile and adaptive in that moment, then it's really not as hard to do when you do it in other places. You know, <laughs> the stakes become a lot lower all of a sudden when, you know, your face isn't at stake in the very immediate sense. So that for me is always a great thing to rely back on. And another thing as well, which is that in martial arts, there's, you know, you know what works or doesn't work pretty fast because if it doesn't work, <laughs> you know, the consequences are pretty immediate. So you need yeah. things that are real and authentic in martial arts. And then I, I apply that same kind of thing into my business practice, right? Yeah. Is this really working or is this something that I hope is working? Because there's a really big difference in martial arts between what you hope is working and what is working. So try to keep that mindset going. Isn't martial arts more of a def defensive strategy than an offensive one? I mean, it's not really. I mean, no? so ethically, it's defensive in the sense that absolutely, I would never start a fight. I would run away from a fight if I could run away from a fight because it's not worth me risking getting hurt, even though I could probably win the fight. And it's not worth me hurting somebody else if I don't have to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'll avoid a fight ethically at all points. But once you're in a fight, once you have no choice, it's not really about defense per se. It's about winning mm. at that point. You know, now winning doesn't mean you have to kill the opponent. You might be able right. to, to resolve that situation with minimal harm to anybody involved, which is always the most ethical thing to do. But you're not really, and I tell this to my students all the time, there is no defense once a fight starts. There's really only offense once yes. a fight starts. You have to, the only way that fight stops is when the opponent stops attacking you. And the only way the opponent stops attacking you is if you do something to the opponent to get them to stop it, you know? So at that point, it becomes more of a, for lack of a better term, it doesn't really work this way, but for lack of a better term, an offensive construct. I love that. I love that. I love that thought. I had a podcast guest. You were talking about what, what did he do in COVID? You know, everybody was taking COVID and letting it absorb into their lives and affect every component of their life. He said, no, he said, no. He said, all I focused on was what I had, my business and how I could out outdo my competitor. And I, in doing so, he succeeded in the midst of chaos. Right. So I think what you said very much applies. But Dr. Steve, you are a fascinating uh, person. Uh, how can our listeners get a hold of you should they would like to get, learn more about what you do? Absolutely. Please go to thectinstitute.com. That's thectinstitute.com. You can find us at uh, the Critical Thinking Institute on Facebook and Instagram as well at the CT Institute. Uh, but the best way is go to thectinstitute.com. You can preview some of our programming there when you get there. And uh, you can also find ways to contact me or just reach out to contact at thectinstitute.com. And we'll be happy to respond to you, whatever your needs might be. Well, thank you. Thanks for being on the show. This is a very fascinating conversation. I think it's much needed in this time in life. I think we need some more critical thinking uh, if we're going to make any changes in our world or even in our families. So uh, thank you for what you're doing and uh, in educating all of us. And most importantly, thanks for taking time out of your busy day to share your wisdom with our listeners. Thank you. And thank you for this podcast. It's a great service. I really had a great time. Great. And this podcast will be up, 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 and up on all podcast platforms in about two, three weeks, as well as all the notes from the show that we gathered today. So thanks again for being here. And it's nice to get a chance to know you. Thank you, sir.